Unique Ways with Thomas Gerard emerges with people from all walks of life who through their own unique angle succeed and flourish. Enjoy the ride and welcome to Unique Ways, an audio podcast. Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Unique Ways with Thomas Gerard, an audio podcast. Um, we've got a super awesome um, session today uh, with two guests. Um, Dan Zook and Joe Wong coming from Hong Kong. Um, Dan is a co-founder and principal at Apoji and co-founder of Make Meaningful Work, as well as co-founder of UX Hong Kong, um, involved in the UX field for 20 years and has been based in Hong Kong also for 20 years. And he's the author of three books. Uh, Joe is also a co-founder and principal at Apoji and co-founder of Make Meaningful Work as well, and as well, the co-founder of UX Hong Kong, grew up in multicultural Hong Kong with a Chinese Burmese father and Chinese Indonesian mother. Welcome, Joe and Dan. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. You ready for 20 questions? I think we are, and I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Joe uh, go first, or perhaps we'll all today. You happy to go first for the first one? Sure. Okay, we'll ha hand it back to you. Great. So the first question is: Tell me a little bit more about yourself. What do you do? Um, I'm uh, ethnic Chinese, growing up in Hong Kong. Um, I went to study um university in Australia. That's where I met uh, Dan. Um, I'm very much um, health conscious in terms of uh, people's health and our planet's health. Um, what do I do? What um, We uh, do a lot of things um, about people. Um, so we have two sides of uh, work that we're doing. One is um, in terms of company, uh, one side of our work is on focusing the customer side. How can we um, um, do better work for the customers? And as well as now the Make Meaningful Work project is focusing on um, how can we make the employees um, life better? I think that's uh, a summary for mm, me. Okay, thanks, Joe. Uh, and Thomas, a little bit about myself, uh, originally from Australia. I think I've always been um, a, a somewhat of a creative uh, type, uh, having been involved in theatre as, as, a, as a boy uh, and having done professional theatre and, and productions and then uh, had a had an interest in seeing the outside world. So did a lot of travel uh, before settling in Hong Kong. Uh, and I think Joe mentioned uh, meeting, I met Joe at university in Melbourne, whereas it's where I grew up. And I think in terms of uh, what, what do you do, I'd say the, uh, the main thread that's gone through, I'd say everything that I've, I've done has been in many, in many respects to do with um, improving things or making things better for not just myself, but but for uh, for others. And I'd like to think part part of that is uh, in terms of really who I am. I think I very much enjoy making people laugh, 
And I certainly try and do that with Joe almost on a daily basis. I probably should have ventured into to acting and or stand-up comedy or a mix of the two at the end of the day. But yeah. And so Make, Make Meaningful Work has obviously been a very important part of what we've been doing for the last 10 of over you know twenty years of uh, our uh, consulting uh, business. Hmm. That's great. You know, one unique ways was focused on being a talk workshop. One of the tenets was people first, and I would always kind of try to imagine who it's for before deciding on what the product would be. So I can really relate to to things you're saying. Nice. Great. Number two, what's a key piece of knowledge that makes you different? Um, the key piece knowledge about what we do is um, we have a tool called practice spotting that equip people to have more uh, self-driven learning that um, focus on the implicit um, things that they can learn and see and widen their perspectives. And I would say related to that, from my perspective, Thomas, would be perspectives itself. I think that as you get older, it's very important to intentionally find practices. So practices we use interchangeably with soft skills, or sometimes they're called power skills, uh, competencies, yes, uh, Joe's mouthing competencies now to me. <laughs> so competencies, yes, uh, equal to some uh, behavioural uh, improvement or, or outcome. So I'm not sure if it, that, that's what makes us different, but certainly that is something that people forget, equal to being able to grow, um, widen and or deepen perspectives, because it's all too easy to get very caught up with our own particular views of our world, of our world, our own geographies, our own verticals within that, and certainly the 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 uh, it's a different topic, but the sometimes the alg algorithms are playing that role too. And before we know it, we've been biased without without knowing that we've become biased. So I think it's important to continue to to grow and and deepen perspectives. That's great. I don't know about you too. I started my career as a practicing designer and it wasn't until later that I kind of started creating these systems and diagrams to kind of illustrate the kind of bigger ideas behind what I was doing. Exactly. That's a very, it's a, it's very important because people often, I think I can say this with some confidence, they just often can't see the bigger picture because they're either not capable of doing it so you have to help them build that capability or they just simply can't visualize it so that's where a designer as one uh, role or profession in that can help mm -hmm. great number three why this of all things you could be doing why do you do what you do um i think what we're seeing around us um uh, as a result of all these decisions people are making. And um, in terms of the education system we're going through or in society that we um, focus way too much on the hard skills and, and 
that type of uh, knowledge. You'll have to excuse us why the coffee machine behind us just goes, it's just going through its cleansing period, but we can just make this part of the podcast because the coffee machine also needs to express itself and then we'll hand back to Joe. Okay, go ahead, Joe. That's fine. Um, yeah, we focus way too much on the uh, hard skills and, and process and all these, um, we call it explicit practices. And sometimes people um, have all these implicit uh, practices or, or soft skills or, or competencies or, or values that inside them, um, they sometimes are not aware of that and not um, intentionally um, enhancing some of the things. So I think we see a gap there. That's why we are doing what we're doing. Yeah, and mine's related. So we have in, I'd say, what, what are we doing with our project is called Make Meaningful Work, which, which came about after years and years of implicitly uh, observing projects where it wasn't necessarily about make meaningful work inside those projects. But then we turned our attention explicitly to the question of uh, how do we make meaningful work? And I think as that's evolved over the last decade, I think what's, a, what's emerged is uh, just recently actually and very sharply, what's emerged is three M's. We call them the three M's. The first one is uh, uh, motivator. Now, what motivates you to do what you do? The second M is moments in which you're demonstrating what motivates you. And then the thir third M is mindset and attitude. Now, now part, part of that, why do we do what we do is equal to, you could map that to some form of reflective journaling, which is equal to um, record, reflect and action. So, I would say, just to give you the, the context, why do you do what we do? Why do we do what we do? I'd say a huge driver of why we do what we do is equal to helping people find more moments to reflect. Because you, you, can't, you can't just be busy all the time without the moments to reflect. Uh, otherwise, you, you're basically leading, leading your life in a really, in a really blind and, and distracted way. That's great. Um, just for the audience, Dan and Joe are coming to us as a recommendation from Keith Tam, who has been our most popular episode so far. Um, Keith, as a reminder, if you've seen that episode, he uh, he still uses a typewriter. And another popular guest, Gar Dr. Garnett Hertz, um, spends time at a skate park um, skateboarding with his OG friends to uh, to get design process and design ideas worked out. So uh so I can definitely relate to the things you're saying. Um, number four, what does your future look like? Yeah. What's my future look like? Um, well, about, about 15, 20 minutes ago, your future looked like doing this podcast. <laughs> now, what does your future look like? Um, I hope that um, we can equip people with... Um, these reflective and deeper practices and people can acquire um, what they need 
because our tools is basically help people to spot the um, soft skills, competencies that they need and connect and contextualize into their own context so they can um, practice it in a small way. So whatever decisions that they are making, they, ha they have more um, dots that they can see, including blind spots. Um, at the end of the day, I hope people can make better decisions about our, our planet and how they treat each other. I hope my future is like that. Okay. Uh, and related, uh, I would say, uh, Thomas, that I mentioned in the previous question around the three M's, uh, the motivators, the moments, and the mindset and attitude. And, uh, and, and a very important outcome from that is equal to what we call an authentic narrative. So I would, I would assume, Thomas, with unique ways, with this podcast, unique ways would be a component of, you know, Thomas's unique narrative, but maybe not. I mean, how, what percentage of unique ways makes up your authentic narrative is, is a bigger discussion. But I think the idea is if you can identify and come up with your uh, uh, authentic narrative. I'll, I'll, I'll change the language slightly for this podcast. I'll call it a unique and authentic narrative. Mm. I would say that your, your future looks a lot uh, more energising. I'm, I'm hesitant to say the word happy because I think happy is an extreme state, although it's nice to experience happiness when we do. But I think the, the, what your future should look like and, and look like it faster than or sooner rather than later is equal to an authentic narrative and one that's healthy, you know, one, one that you're helping to contribute to models that are healthier and it's ultimately going to help uh, the individual, the team, uh, an organisation or a community. What, what I won't do is I, I don't want my future to, to look like anything that is contributing to toxicity and harm. So when, when we see things like the provocation of, you know, for example, models that are to do with provoking war, or things that are contributing to pollution, or, or anything that looks like, you know, uh, uh, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th century models. Well, we can all do our part practice-wise, competency-wise, uh, to find hopefully peaceful ways to behave differently. So my future looks like a healthy future and I hope will continue to be a healthy future. Thanks for giving us the time to give a little bit of the background because it's important to understand our context before we can sometimes answer the question directly. Oh, I love these these responses. They're really um, rich and uh, deep, which is which is nice. I think rewarding for our audience. Um, you know, with unique ways, it kind of started with this idea that everybody does have this success element in their life. Um, you know, in their own particular journey um, that they can make sense of and kind of through through these conversations can help others make sense of it as well, I think. Makes sense. Um, number five, let's talk about location. How does the notion of place play into what you do? Um, place. 
So we're based in Hong Kong. I think a place. Um, well, we're based in Hong Kong, which is part of China. Yeah. So I there's think two the, parts to that. The diversity yeah. of where we are um, plays into what we do um, quite importantly. I'm not sure if that's, that's right. Yeah, it, 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 it plays um, into what we do of the diversity of culture, um, thinking, the people we meet. Um, because where we are, the the travel we've been doing was quite, we, we, we used to do quite a lot of traveling um, before the pandemic. And Hong Kong is a place that you can get direct flight almost to anywhere around the world. So I think that plays um, quite an important role as well. Um, the fact that it's a mix of a lot of things in Hong Kong, even in terms of food, um, makes you more open to try new things and have a, also different ways of seeing things from different places around the world, I guess. Okay. The notion of place related to what Joe is saying, because I'm trying to embody and practice what Joe mentioned earlier, which is we call it, we wrote a book, Thomas, called Make Meaningful Work, available on Amazon for all the people listening in. <laughs> And, yeah, and some other distributors. Yeah. But the, we wrote we we wrote um, the first chapter. We've got three chapters. The first chapter basically talks about the you know what is and the why of meaningful work. The second chapter talks about two tools, which is effectively a practice spotting and also journaling, both there to help with the record, reflect, and the the action. And then the third chapter came a little bit later, but is important and relates directly to the notion of place which is the Sparkle Studio, because we talk on the, front, on the front of the book, the narrative is from sleepwalking to Sparkle. So it's basically saying from a sense of having no energy to having energy. And the notion of place is equal to directly to the Sparkle Studio. The studio itself is designed to be a reflective space, a space to share stories, which is part of recording, to reflect using practice spotting and look at what's happening above what we call the practice spotting tree, which is part of our logo, what's happening above the soil and below the soil, and then equal to connecting and contextualizing that to a practice card, i.e. to some sort of embodied action. So the place is very important in, in reference to the studio because the studio is actually saying, this is a place where you can slow down. This is a place where you can reflect. This is a, a place you can take a pause outside of your normal day-to-day, -day, which for most people living in, I dare I would say, in industrialised places and are working for, say, you know, knowledge, uh, knowledge economy-type companies and or even in factories, more manufacturing-type factories, their, their place is always in a place of, of busyness. So the studio itself is not, a, it's not about being in a place of busyness. It's about being in a place where you can rehearse, make and effectively rehearse the practice that you that you want, that you really want as part of your work. E equal to character building, number one, to leadership competencies or practices to help you do that. 
and three, uh, always nurturing and iterating that culture. Um, so all of this, all of this plays into the to the notion of, of place and and play and what we do. Great. I want to expand this conversation about place in part because um, Hong Kong, where you guys are at, is uh, is a really special place for me. I spent some of my late teens and early twenties there. I did a internship at a architecture firm just up from Lankwai Fong up the hill there. Um, you know, when I was 19 years old and, uh, and, you know, that really kind of shaped who I am. Um, but I also want to expand this conversation about place because Hong Kong is such an important kind of topic right now. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. Um, it's a, it's, I mean, it's, it, it, again, let's bring it back to perspectives, right? So part of practice spotting is, we want to deepen and widen perspectives. And the way that we do that specifically is using lenses. So when we when we talk about any place equal to a context, it's there's a there's a current aspect to it, there's a historical aspect to it, and there's a future aspect to it. And the lens that you apply, the perspective that you apply will depend on who you talk to. So you can look at Hong Kong through the lens of food. Uh, you can look at it more generic generically through the, the, the lens of culture. You could look at it through the lens of social, economic, legal, uh, uh, historical, uh, 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 political. There's all different ways you, you, can, you can look at a place. I think what's important is people will often come to conversations with very strong uh, ideas and they'll want to hold on to their ideas because people want to be listened to, which is understandable. But it's very rare now to find places, and I'm not talking about online necessarily, I'm talking about in person, which are well facilitated and moderated towards opening up perspectives equal to a place. So bringing it back to Hong Kong, um, there are many perspectives uh, about, about Hong Kong um, and everyone's entitled to those uh, perspectives. But hopefully over time, those perspectives will be uh, will be will be guided in a way in a mature way to be able to di direct a place to to improve it uh, over time and that that's the you know that's the hope for Hong Kong uh, in terms of um, building out various and diverse different dimensions of a place to talk about Hong Kong and place and food is a is a striking one for me as well. I would, for lunch 20 years ago in Hong Kong, I would eat this um, dish. There would be a little bit of rice. And then on top of that, there was a, a big pan fried steak and then a fried egg on top of that. And it was drenched in soy sauce. And, um, you know, and it worked. <laughs> everybody told me it would give me a heart attack, but I, I really <laughs> liked it. So. No. It's funny, isn't it, though? But that that just that description of those mix of things is kind of what makes I think any place beautiful, right? Like, why sort of stop at the egg when you can have the rice plus the steak and the sauce? Mm -hmm. I think that, that I've worked out uh, at my age that I, I'm feeling like the secret to life, uh, Thomas, is the amount the amount of diversity and and mix of sources that are available for any foods. I like that. Um, great. Okay. Number six. Um, if you had to start from scratch, what advice would you give your former younger self? Um, for me, I think um, it's related to um, what we're doing now, the make meaningful work. Um, 
framework and thinking. If um, I can have a more structured way of acquiring all these soft skills and competencies when I was younger, I think that can uh, help me to see things in a very different um, way and, and dimensions. Um, and, and I think, especially for younger people, if, if you open their eyes for seeing things, the, the possibilities, um, I think is almost like limitless. And that uh, I want to mention a little bit, a little bit more about place. I think um, there's a there's a saying in Chinese that always um, put the word place um, together is people, time, and place. Mm. Um, that's a combination that's almost like um, um, what's the word infinite. Yep. It's it, that combination is like infinite. it goes on forever. Yeah, and you're always iterating it. Yeah, you always yep. have different combinations and because the, the element of time, and in terms of the time element, um, there's a depth to the, to the time as well. Mm. So in, in terms of the language that we use um, when we talk about time, it's not just um, uh, past and present and future. It's um, sometimes when we use the language, um, last is up and down as well. So the, the, the way you see time is a, is a, is a very um, three-dimensional thing when you put yourself in a place. Mm -hmm. And when you mix the different people, the, the dynamic is, is, is huge. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's related to um, um, the question about my, my former self. So if, if someone can give me all these um, depth and, and all these implicit things that I can acquire much earlier, um, that will be, uh, I don't know, enormous thing to, to young people. Mine's simple, Thomas. Mm. The, um, go and meet more Thomases and Joe who can ask you more questions like this. So that, <laughs> that would be one. Questions are awesome, right? Like just sometimes there's this, this is inclination to want to have all the answers, uh, especially when you work in sort of a consulting or consultative type field, people expect you to have solutions and answers. But I think the intelligence comes from having some of those answers, but you keep on asking questions, but that's not the advice. The advice that mine's simple, the advice that I would give myself, my former self, um, and certainly my younger former self would be just, just go immediately to mainland China um, go and study there, uh, go and live, go and live with a local family, um, learn Chinese history and uh, learn Mandarin fluently. Um, and then if I would have done that, say, uh, 30 years ago or so, uh, I, I, would, I would suggest it would have had uh, very interesting and different implications on my current, current uh, self. Now, there's nothing stopping me doing that in my current self, but I think it becomes, becomes a little more difficult as you get older but not not impossible so that's what i that's what i would have told my former self to do i'm just remembering when i was a snot-nosed kid in hong kong and one of our family friends kind of came over to me to give me some advice 
which I think was advice that he would have wanted when he was a kid. So he told me that, um, you know, you're, you're young and you think the world is confusing and doesn't make sense. Well, when you're older, it's still confusing and it still doesn't make sense. <laughs> exactly. It's an interesting, it's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? I mean, it's a bit of a cliche to say conundrum, but nonetheless, it is a conundrum because you find that if you are a self-directed or self-initiated learner and you're open to learning more things, and it's sort of a nice lead into question seven in terms of day and the life, but if you are a person like myself that reads and wants to keep learning and wants to keep travelling and wants to keep understanding, and what that's going to do is it's just going to continue to um, open up more questions. But the difference is you're not, you're not scared of that. You're excited and energised by that. And I think often often that's the difference. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, number seven, as you said, what's your day in the life like? Um, we, we go for a morning walk across um, the road. There's a beach uh, across from us. So I think the the flow and the movement and the and the view that we, we get um, it open up your mind as well so I think that would, that's a good start of the day and we're trying to eat healthy breakfast um, and then usually it's um, some calls or readings and uh, yeah trying to have a more diverse type of reading um again to um open up your mind and also the more the more diverse things um i see the more connections i can make good my day in the life uh thomas would be a mix of like i just think of like sort of like a uh one of those tags or word word clouds right it's mm. big big words that are coming up in my head would be yeah morning walks more more recently um you know uh pre probably pre-pandemic there would have been more going out for dim sum and dumplings it's a very important part mm -hmm. of our day in the life uh reading uh daily routine of reading i probably read in the vicinity of about i don't know on average you know 10 or so new articles a day. Uh, so reading, um, responding to, to emails, uh, calls, um, and then here and there uh, projects. But what's lovely is your day in the life, see, it feels like it has more structure and more intention and clarity and energy when you feel that you've identified contributors to an authentic narrative. And obviously, well, I say obviously, your viewers, your viewers may not know this but obviously we we have talked about make meaningful work and the work that's gone into that so that that's that's always playing i think for both of us into our our joint uh day in the life um it's not our whole life i don't want to get carried away but it's an important part of our day in the life in our overall authentic narrative you know historically current and and in reference to forecasting and and futures uh, as well We've had such a range of responses to this question. You know, our last guest, Press Chudhuri, who came to us from India, would say that he starts his day with two cups of coffee and everything else kind of um, builds itself up after that. 
um, you know, whereas some people um, um, have their days really framed by pandemic and by um, these multi spaces that we're in now. Um, I think it's a hard question, and but it also um, begs a, a answer of some diversity. I think. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, indeed. It's it's um, it's it's. It somewhat philosophically it's you, you can have your day in the life feel like it's just like within the constraints of your home or your your immediate context but you can also have your day in the life be anything you want it to be equal to how far you want to expand your thinking i'll send you after this i'll send you a link i think it was in the guardian it was talking about they use the word reflection but i think the article's talking more about contemplation but it's contemplation equal to reflection they would say the studies that they've done equal to people that take a little bit more time to contemplate things mm. is it allows their mind to wander a bit. And it, remind, it reminds me of the pre-smartphone days when we were growing up where you would sometimes just lie on the grass or lie on your bed, look at your ceiling and not actually think about anything too much except to contemplate. And it was very, very healthy to do so. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. Number eight, lifelong learning is a popular topic these days. How do you guys stay up to date? Um, I think both of us read um, quite a bit online, um, mostly. Um, uh, that's, um, it goes back to what we are working on, the Make Meaningful Work. Um, is a lifelong learning tool and and set yourself that mindset and attitude to you can basically learn from anyone and anything you um you get in touch with so people that you talk to a conversation that you have uh, an article that you read or book that you read um even movies and 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 video clips that you watch, um, you can always learn something from it. Um, the tool that we have um, can equip you to look beyond the surface and, and learn learn things from these, these things in your life. I think lifelong learning related to what Joe is saying, Thomas, is uh, a momentum and a practice. And so you, if, you're, if you're interested in a lifelong learning, one has to ask, you have to ask yourself, how am I going to action that? And, the, 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 and I'm, I'm a big, I think Joe and myself are big fans of fundamentals. So fundamentally, if you want to be doing lifelong learning, you, you sort of, you can't avoid reading. Um, uh, you've got to be able to talk with and listen actively to other people and diverse perspectives. You've got to be asking a lot of questions. Uh, so I, I think that's become a practice for us and that's how we're staying up to date. I mean, even this, it is a podcast, yes, but it does feel like these questions are in effect stimulating some sort of conversation. So uh, the issue, as I've brought up before, that the biggest challenge and the, one of the hardest nuts to crack is the, the busyness and the distractions that people are in right now. And it's almost creating a, a, a perfect storm of, being able to manipulate how people see things. And so you almost have to untangle people to give them some form of clarity to actually understand what's really 
going on. And I feel like that's a really important part of the, you know, the studio that we're, that we're creating, the studios we're creating, the programs that we run, the intention behind Make Meaningful Work. Uh, so much of that is about a clarity uh, equal to a, an, in, an individual's own clarity or a team's own clarity, uh, mapping to an authentic narrative and being able to continuously practice along the way so that lifelong learning doesn't just feel like a bunch of words or a separate thing. It just becomes it just becomes part of what you do uh, every day. It just feels as it kind of as a, as natural as sleeping, going to the toilet, or breathing. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, we're at episode twelve now, and um, you know, Dan and Joe here are episode twelve. And if you just started listening to Unique Ways, I really encourage you to binge the earlier episodes especially if you are a lifelong learner, because there's so much rich content from our guests so far. Um, number, yeah, number nine, what tools do you use? Are you more digital? Are you more pen and paper? Um, I'm using both. Um, when I write notes, I'll use paper. It's um, faster and better sketch tool, I think. Um, reading mostly from digital. I'm I'm a I'm a mix of both as well, Thomas. But I'd say I I have now created somewhat of a system. So I have uh, Feedly uh, to catch up with all the different uh, publications that I subscribe, paid and non-paid. Uh, I'll then um, trim that and filter that down daily to what goes into my reading list for that day. I'll read, I'll do generous amounts of sharing of what I read with people over, uh, you know, WhatsApp uh, or in some cases Slack channels. Um, I think people in varying degrees get quite annoyed with me, but nonetheless, I'll, I'll just keep sharing, you need to read this, you need to read that, you know, um, to get people, it relates to uh, uh, question eight, lifelong learning. Um, jo calls me, she has for many years, she calls me the documentation king. Um, I tend to record things using Google Keep. So there's a structure there because it's it's a way of um, you're constantly sense-making. You're trying to categorise things equal to what's going to give you the focus and priority. And then all, all of those things then aggregate to some form of authentic narrative and strategy and direction, dare I say it, even though that's a terribly overused term in business. But is to give you it, it's not about control, but it's just to give you a sense of, you are working on something that energizes you. And then I, I integrate all of that with the way Joe uh, documents uh, as well, where if she draws a great diagram or she's written some awesome notes, uh, I'll just take a photo of that and that uploads to Google Photos. And then that becomes sort of the ecosystem or the life cycle of learning. But that, that, that sort of loose framework didn't just appear. I mean, that took, that literally took years to come up with that sort of rhythm. Yeah. So, but that's that's kind of the uh, that's the the hybrid of what's going on. You know, you deserve a huge amount of, of gratitude for um, for for sharing that kind of rich content. There's so many crappy memes that come around, and you know, to to get a good piece of content, even one in a day, is is really kind of really kind of shapes that day and changes things. I think. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Number 10, 
And this is a hard one, I think, for a lot of our guests, but um, how do you deal with work-life balance? Um, I don't, I don't deal with, I don't really need to deal with um, work-life balance um, because I think if you like what you do and it's part of your life, um, that's, that's just, that's just life in, in one piece. Yeah, and I agree. I agree, Thomas and Joe, Joe and myself known each other for a long time. Now we met at university, and then uh, when we decided to to open a business together twenty two or so years ago, it's always a risk because you don't know. You know, you might personally get on really well. You might not know if it's going to work in business. Uh, fortunately, it's it has worked. We've had you know a little a couple of bumps. Um, fortunately, not. No, 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 sort of uh, damaging potholes along the way. A couple of bumps along the way, but uh, what we've both been very consistent on from a values perspective, and our intention has always been: we just want to have a uh, a, uh, a a positive and an energizing life together. And it's very, very rare that we've used the term um, a balance. I I think often the work life balance comes as a result of people looking for things that they want to do in their life because they just don't like their work. So what we've decided to do is say, hey, why don't we flip that or look at that from another perspective? Don't, don't think about work-life balance. Just think about it as, an, as a one thing. And this has changed enormously uh, in the last couple of year, years now with the global, you know, with the pandemic because it's now enforced upon knowledge workers equal to hybrid work. So the work-life balance aspect is almost gone out the window. So within, we started talking about environmental context earlier on. I, I think what people now need to be more explicit about is, and more clinical is, what practices are they using specifically in what context? And then how does that play overall into your life? And then work, work that out in the nuances that is between work and life. Maybe for the moment, park the work balance. Don't think about it more as balance, but think about it more as just one thing, but be more specific about what aspects are equal to when it's not directed at work and what aspects are when it's a mix of both and what aspects are when it's just work. And think about that clearly in a very disciplined and focused Manner. For Joe and myself, it's perhaps a little bit different because we're we're kind of always in this work life cycle. Mm. I don't sometimes I don't feel I know where the boundaries of that uh, is. And also, we are talking about insert meaning into what we do instead of usually people would talk about search for meaning. Right. Um. So I think that's uh, a different way of viewing work as well. Yeah. Yeah, I like all of this. I mean, Keith brought up a, a new term, work-life harmony, which uh, which I'm not sure if that's an if that's an end to this kind of problem, but um, yeah. Okay, we're just over halfway. Number eleven. If you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? Um, I don't know. Probably still some education related things um 
Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd be I'd, similar to Joe. I would say it would be something to do with, still to do with people, helping people. Uh, I like the education angle very much to what we do, especially for kids. Uh, helping kids is great. Uh, and not, not because it feels good for us, because it's just good for them, like to help. I remember being a kid and being around people where it felt enormous when I was around other adults who were open to other perspectives and not necessarily forcing me down a particular road equal to their bias. So I think what I would be doing would be equal to opening up the same sort of thinking. Um, if I were to pick one, it, it probably would be related to acting um, or something to do with entertainment and possibly even comedy related because I do, I do enjoy making people laugh, um, the good energies that come with that. But I kind of feel like somehow we found our way through Make Meaningful Work to be able to tick all of those boxes, to be able to facilitate, teach, make people laugh, entertain, uh, 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 do all of those things we're, we're describing. So there is no perfect, there is no 100% calibration, even if we were to change completely. So in some respects, it comes back to what Joe said earlier. It's about taking responsibility to insert meaning into what you do. And if that's not 100 or close to 90% aligning to who you are as a character, then if you can, if you're able, you just have to you have to make some decisions and choices, and put yourself in an environment and context that feels more equal to what you would like to be uh, doing. Because life is life can be difficult, but also part of life is to be enjoyed. And why why wouldn't we want to be, have more enjoyment in what we do? Yeah, when I was at that architecture firm in Hong Kong in my late teens, um, the the partners would would dedicate some of their time to teaching at the local university, I guess. And, um, you know, that was one piece that I took away from that experience that um, that really helped me understand um, how to mature as a creative, um, you know, to, to, to have a teaching kind of piece in it later in life um, was something that I, I learned that was important through that experience. Um, yeah. So I can I can echo your your thoughts on on teaching for sure. Just just before we move on to question twelve, just quickly, I'd say it's I think everybody should have a, have put themselves in a situation to do some teaching. I think it's a really good it's a really good thing to do, as you said, Thomas. Equal to you know professional and personal maturity. It's a it's a nice practice. Absolutely. Okay, number 12, um, in terms of career, what would you not like to do? Um, for me, I, I can't do human robotic work. Um, that's uh, mind numbing. Mm. Okay, I think it's kind of related in a way. I, I don't think I can do anything that's related to contributing to war or violence or anything that's perhaps military related, uh, anything that propagates uh, uh, subjugation of others or 
it, and it's a it's a very it's a very con it's a very controversial topic. Exploiting yeah, exploit mm -hmm. it's a very controversial topic because fortunately, Touchwood, we haven't lived through or experienced directly war, um, but you know the accounts that you hear from people that do, it's it's tragic on every level. Uh, so I, I would I would you know the opposite would be I'd, ra I'd much rather be contributing to things that are helping with constructive narratives going forward and the remodeling and the iterative nature of getting people to look at things from different perspectives. Um, but for that to happen, Thomas, it, it, there, need, there needs to feel like there is a table available globally where everybody can sit around that table or on a picnic blanket or wherever it is, where it's well facilitated, where the voices are before voices are coming out from people's mouth, before people are expressing themselves, the space itself needs to be known that there will, it's a space where it, equality exists. Now, that's not, a, that's not about nirvana or the perfect world, but we're currently living in a world where that's not existing. They're, we're projecting the idea that there is an, 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 a, a place where there is equal discussion and conversation and, and there's not because there are certain powers in the world that are projecting that image, but it's basically equal to following what their narrative is and what what and not what other possibilities could be. So I I I I would not I just yeah I to answer the question again plainly it would be not to do not to do anything that that feels uh, uh, too um, damaging uh, in in nature I suppose or aggressive in nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we're, look, I, I'm not an angel either. We're we're all as humans capable of being um, lovely and equally capable of being terrible at the same time. I feel like I'm getting a lot of responses that align with that around values, or I mean, yours goes a little bit beyond that. But um, you know, if it doesn't align with your personal values, it's really hard to do. Um, number thirteen. What's your favorite word, quote, or sentence? Um, I have many, but um, one of them is from Confucius. In Chinese, is uh, That means um, you need to improve yourself first. Um, that you can have um, better um, capability of manage a, a family of yours then you can uh, be able to manage um, a, a state. Um, and then prosperity will come to, you know, the country that you're in. Mm. So it, 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 don't take it literally, but at the end of the day, because even so sun it's improve yourself that bit, even though it's two characters in, in Chinese character, um, it well, Confucius go and explain beyond that what you need to do to better yourself in terms of your values and mindset, and um, it talks a lot about your heart um, and all these inner inner qualities, and and it's basically talking about how do you take responsible for your own um, behaviors and. And then you can contribute to the things that's surrounding you. Um, so that's why I, I like that a lot. 
I was looking at our book, Thomas, and Meaningful Work. I'm holding it at the moment. Uh, Joe has brought it out. And there's a lot of uh, words and quotes and sentences in this book that I, I like. Um, there's also, I, in my Google Keep, I, I keep a bunch of quotes that I pull out from people and or articles. So I've, got, I've got a lot to draw on. But the two that came to mind, one is from our book and one's a more recent one. The one that I pulled out from the book is we've got these 10 behavioural outcomes that we wish to embody and practice in the studio or Sparkle Studio. And it's the third one, which is Spark Curiosity. So I like that one. I, I, I like that particular practice and outcome to Spark Curiosity. As much as you're very kindly asking us questions, I must say it's very hard not to ask you questions back <laughs> because I actually, I actually want to involve you in the conversation, but you're, you're kindly uh, hosting and moderating you so nicely to let the audience hear from us. But Spark Curiosity is when you offer a reflection, I naturally want to be able to ask you questions. So that's from the book. The second thing, the second word that's come up quite recently from Joe, and it's related to motivators, uh, moments, and mindset and attitude. Uh, the word is preparation. And so uh, preparation has been something we've been thinking a lot about. You know, pre preparing for an interview, preparing for a podcast, preparing for a meeting, uh, pre preparing where you, you know what you haven't prepared for. Um, it's, it's, it's often the crudely and sharply, it's often the difference between an amateur and a professional. I think professionals prepare, amateurs sometimes don't do that as well. Uh, so, and pre preparation equal to uh, narratives around improvement, uh, change, transformation, te ter terribly overused words like change and transformation. Um, they, they get thrown around like, uh, like candy or sugar water now. People don't understand the deeper implications of it, but it would be preparation so that you're, you're actually bringing the right mindset and attitude and the right narratives equal to receptiveness to a change. People focus a lot on the change, the word change, or the word transformation, but a lot of the time people are just not prepared for it. They're not receptive to it. And that's why a lot of these change or transformation programs fail. So there are a couple of, couple of words, quotes, sentences we've been thinking about. This conversation is making me, me nostalgic for for the the Hong Kong conversations of my of my memory. Um, you know, there's a certain kind of richness that that place seems to invite, um, at least in the way people talk and and are able to uh, relate to one another. Agree. That's why I haven't. That's why I haven't left for twenty two years. <laughs> Number fifteen. If you had to pick one word. Oh, sorry, I missed one. Number 14, what's your least favorite word, quote, or sentence? Um, I don't like um, all these rigidness of, of um, whether it's words or people. Like, I can't. Uh, no, that's not possible. Or uh, I don't want to try. Um, or closeness. Um, it feels negative and shrinking instead of uh, growth and expanding. 
Yeah, I would agree. I, I would say uh, it, it, it would be the energy associated or the contributors to sleepwalking. Uh, and I, I, in, in some respects, I have a certain amount of concern for people that are doing that to themselves and damaging themselves. And for some people, they, they actually need to go and get professional and deeper work done to break some of those cognitive patterns. And those patterns can be coming from many places. They're usually attributable to childhood related to parental contexts or school or friends, et cetera, or family. Uh, but what I really, my least favourite sort of word quote sentence or sentiment is equal to when people start to impose that upon others. So they, they sort of want to destruct, self-destruct, but they want to also destroy others in the in the in in relation to that energy, and and that 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 really it's not only my least favorite part, it it really uh, deeply deeply upsets me and 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 uh, annoys me. So the idea of somehow quarantining <laughs> that type of person it, until they're ready to start thinking about how to improve themselves is uh, is is interesting. Fifteen. If you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be? Um, I will pick connecting. I like um, diverse things and then connected and make sense of things. Yeah, I I I probably pick funny or or maybe somehow a mix of funny and generous. You know what? I'll go with generous. And it's 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 hard for me to say that because it's I think people that are generous don't have to say that they're generous they're just generous so but I'm going to go with generous why not generous it is number sixteen <laughs> what keeps you up at night um that's a hard one um I guess sometimes when I see mean and selfish behavior. Okay. Um, mine's simpler. I'd, I'd say just hot weather. <laughs> <laughs> just if it's ridiculously hot, but we've got better. We're in, we try and be environmentally conscious. So we don't run air conditioning uh, all, all the time in our home. And we do run it a little bit at night just to cool the room to make it more pleasant. Um, so, so hey, for, fortunately, in terms of mentally or physically, nothing really keeps me up at night. And we've also, we're also quite good at, at having earlier nights and we have a shower before bed, everything to get us into a more relaxed state. And then, and then, you know, up earlier for our, you know, 6, 6.30 a.m. work. And it, again, Thomas, it's all... So much of life and work is just to do with healthier patterns and practices associated with that. So, yeah. Hong Kong without air conditioning. You guys are brave. Number <laughs> 17, what's a dream you're chasing? Um, I think the dream that I hope to chase is... Um, People can make healthy decisions. And I'd say my my dream would would be continuing to create uh, studios and spaces uh, that's conducive to 
uh, deeper, more reflective, interesting and diverse conversations. You know, I've always been drawn to any space that feels open and feels very, you know, you feel it, Thomas, when you, it's it's kind of like a buzz, right? You feel it's, it's, it's so we've organised years of, of, of a conference called UX Hong Kong. We had to put that year number nine in 2019, we had to put that on, on hold for various reasons because of political issues in Hong Kong and also the pandemic. But that, that and we're, we're going to reinstate that again next year in a different format for UX Hong Kong. But the, the you know that buzz you feel when you've found a, a group at, the, at, at an event and you're involved in really interesting conversation or you're involved as part of making something and you feel that buzz of the creative energy towards making something, or you feel really aligned to a purpose and a sense of intention, but you also feel there's enough room for people to disagree in conflict, but where you're not, it's not about offending people, but it's about improving the, the outcome. All, all those are, all those to me are, uh, are equal to the dream, which is continue to create those spaces. Very important for kids, uh, especially in Hong Kong, where their space is just home, you do your homework, school, you do lessons, home, you do your homework. I mean, there's just, there's, there is no studio in between. There is no space for them to be uh, creative or innovative or reflective or, or to even dream. And, and that's problematic. So I guess my dream is to help others find spaces to dream. Lovely. Um, I was super excited to hear about your efforts with UX Hong Kong and to learn more about that. I've been involved in a um, series called UX India, um, which I attended in Bangalore um, years ago and uh, and was so inspired by um, the power of UX and the power of it to, to build community and to bring up um, rich ideas. Yeah, indeed. True. Um, final stretch, number 18, what inspires you? Um, when I see or hear stories about how people um, sometimes sacrifice themselves, um, contribute to a bigger good. Um, recently, we've, um, we've been watching this documentary channel that um, tell stories, some of their documentaries are telling stories about how China um, work on lift the poverty, the extreme poverty of some really remote um, villages in China and how people um, contribute in that and, and so committed and so, um, it almost like forget about themselves and just helping others. Um, that inspires me quite a lot. And also when I when I see younger people that have that type of spirit, um, that inspires me. Uh, I'd say what inspires me, Thomas, get ready. For, I hope the audience is preparing themselves to roll their eyes and feel all sugary. Uh, but what inspires me primarily is Jo. So it's nice nice to live with a person. She, she equally frustrates me as well. 
but I think that's part of the inspiration. <laughs> it kind of goes with it, right? It's all part of it. Uh, so that that inspires me. And and this, like things like this, Thomas, is awesome. Like, again, it's related to the dream. It, this is a, like to me, this is, I mean, this is this is this is unique ways with you. But to me, it just in my head, the way I model it is I've just gone into another uh, room within the studio. Um, and and I'm what I'm looking for is anyone who can you know inspire me or op open my mind to look at look at a particular topic or problem from a different perspective. So so at the at the end of the day, it's 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 just gonna come down to people and 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 that's it. so it's probably not the what, it's who, you know, the who inspires you. Yeah. Love it. Okay, 19, any advice you'd like to share? Um, it's more an observation that I've seen um, around me and among my friends. Um, there are many templates around us. Um, I think we ourselves often is the, um, the limit of our own growth. Um, just don't try too hard to fit in certain templates um, and subscribe to them. Um, create your own or just just de develop your own, own self. Uh, lots of advice, but I would I would go with again the uh, behavioral outcome number three or that practice of spark curiosity. Uh, and and I and I would say that through that curiosity, come up with your own list of questions like you've done here. You've got twenty questions for the podcast, but come up with your own that can help uh, iteratively contribute to your own sense of who you are and what your narrative is. We we talk about that in connection to the, the character building, the leadership and the culture. There's always an opportunity to take responsibility and insert meaning into what you do um, and to, to be explicit about those practices, competencies, soft skills to, to do that. Um, so having clarity helps, but continue to be open to learning. And be and be open to learning from multiple cultures and and multiple people. Be careful. Be really aware and careful of your own of your own biases in that because your biases, especially your confirmation biases, they'll they have a habit of biting you very very severely on the bottom. And before you know it, you you're in a place where you didn't know how you got there, and it was simply because you just were not open enough. Um, and curious enough to explore uh, the the topic in a in a deep and a wide way. Great. Um, final question, everyone's favorite, number twenty. How can our listeners keep tabs on you? How can we follow you? Um, what about your book work? Do you want to share more on that? Um, yeah, as we mentioned, you can you can get it on uh, Amazon and other channels um we've got a website called makemeaningfulwork.com um we also have linkedin um group on make meaningful work um and also twitter mm. 
keeping tabs on us right keeping an eye but i i i would say all of that is 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 right uh thomas but pro- probably the the best ones the best one probably would be linkedin um and i can send you the linkedin um now the reason you know we've got we've got a, a pretty sizable group on facebook and we've got a that's for mate Minif work and ux hong kong Obviously, Joe and myself have our Twitter handles. You can follow us there. But I say LinkedIn because it's probably the most, I would say, professional out of all of those. The rest just sort of feel a little bit more like generic social media. Um, and frankly, I'm not a great fan of those platforms anymore, but I, I stick around them because I just stick around them it's because others do. It's yeah, there, it's yeah. there. Um, so I can send you the, the LinkedIn group if people want to, um stay in touch and uh yeah and just go you know go go from go from there we our goal and it's nice of you to ask this question because our goal is we want to keep uh building the community um around both ux hong kong and make meaningful work and those things are interesting together with keith tam who you've already interviewed we're doing a lot of interesting joint programs on that going into 2023 which will be a lot of fun he's been a superb supporter of both um, and then the idea is build build a community and and hopefully events with interesting speakers and programs to help us answer the question which is obvious which is how can we make meaningful work which is really about asking the question of how how the hell are we going to remodel the planet away from harmful uh, practices and endeavors that are contributing to climate catastrophe and how can we move towards models that are contributing to peaceful, healthy, uh, more sane ways of living uh, together? I, I hope the next next two years will serve as a, a transition from the from the toxic to something better. And I hope we don't uh, end up uh, hurting ourselves globally too much in the in the interim. I hope we don't have to move to Mars. <laughs> no. Yeah. True. Well. I think they just started mowing my lawn, so uh, maybe that's the sign for uh, for Papa. <laughs> but um, thank you so much. Um, what rich conversation! Um, you know, really reminding me and bringing me back to Hong Kong and and what a great place that is. Um, you know, so envious of of you to be able to participate in the kinds of conversations that that place inspires. Um, thank you so much, uh, Dan and Joe from Hong Kong. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Um, and especially thank you to the person mowing the lawn because they've come right on cue, right, to, to end the podcast at, the, at exactly the right time. And, hey, Thomas, if, uh, if you're ever uh, wanting to visit again, um, please, you've got our contact, please um, let us know. And very open to continuing conversations with you beyond the podcast if, if, that, if, that, if that works at any time you see fit. Um, thanks again for having us on. It's been a, it's been lovely. Thanks so much. Okay. If you like today's podcast, I encourage you to have a listen to other episodes. You can easily find them at uniqueways.ca or wherever you find podcasts. You can also find us on social media. And thank you. It's you that makes these great, and it's you who these are for. Stay tuned for more unique ways. Mm-hmm.